I am unashamed. What about you? You've got the thing now in place, the, the heavy rocks, concrete. Some old guy had a yard, backyard full of big old pile of that concrete. You know, some of them was like... Dude, I have no idea what you're talking about. Concrete? You know, the, the dump. Oh, yo. You built a, you built a new dump. Oh, yeah. Because the I heard about backwater wash. Oh, when you see out. it, yeah, when you see it, you're gonna say, "Good grief!" Oh, so. But so I said, "What are we gonna talk about?" Bill's like, "Yeah, I need some money for some." <laughs> when it, I need sliced, some little bit of cash. <laughs> sliced one way, I'm out about twenty four thousand. Ooh. Sliced three ways, each man pays about eight. Yeah. And, and uh. that's a softer blow than. But, I mean, I don't know why I ought to pay for all of it. I mean, it's on their land. I mean, you know, I let them put it in their name, you know. So. That seems like a lot to fix a dump. I think we, if we get involved, we uh, may get involved. Yeah, in well, it. if you'd have seen the blowout down there, you'd have said, okay, we, we're going to have to beef this thing up. We need more. We need big rocks. But my, my uh, Donnie Sanders, one of the guys I converted, he lives over here, you know. He's a pipeline welder. I said, I'm not going to try Jake Leg. So I got the pipeline welder down in there where it was, I knew everything would be whole. But you know, now I got, Jason, instead of one 48-inch pipe that drains it, if you get a big enough rain, there's not enough drainage through one pipe, and it just breached it. That's what happened like then. But I didn't have the rocks on it or anything. Now I got rocks on both sides of the thing, and and we've got two pipes about 48 inches so i can i can twice as much water can come up underneath that thing and flow on out down down to the river so the rocks keep the the earth from blowing out that's That's, that's, that's that's it which i've seen it all over the place when you see it's built a dam or a levee oh yeah so we've got it all it was it rained on us twice during that so it's pretty muddy down in there now, but I'll, I'll have it just smooth as a baby's butt. So will the beavers go in and try to dam it up? Is that the next move? That's... They've not attempted to mess with it at all so far, but but I don't. But I bet they're meeting about it. But they probably we, already have a. We've pre- got a, we've got we're ahead of them, but I mean, <laughs> as far as just holding four to twelve inches of water up there on it, all that all that grass has come up now where we made the duck hole. Oh, it's it's the prettiest thing, Jace. You ought to see it now. Oh, it did. You look at it. This was the one you. They're going to hit that. This is the one you had the vision for, the yep. the, the grass prairie. What y'all planting? Well, most of the feed that's up, that's coming up, the, the natural grass, ducks can eat it. It's mm. got it's got smart weed. It's got. Mm. It's got. Uh, but that now was, we that sounded like nothing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Almighty's grass, when yeah. we. When we yeah. the, the one I looked at in the, in the 60s. It was Sprangletop. It was all Sprangletop, and the water was only about that deep. And they were just, there's 10,000 ducks there on this same river right up above us. Hmm. So, Dad, when I spoke, uh, I spoke a few weeks ago at a conservative environmental conference, which was interesting. It's one of the interesting, most interesting asks I've ever been asked to speak at. But they asked me, they said, can you speak to how hunters and fishermen you know, feel about conservation. I was like, well, absolutely, because we're all about it. We're all about clean water. We're all about building habitat for game. So that's what I talked about. But I I talked about your vision and how that that ended our series, In the Woods with Phil, that last episode we did, was about you seeing that that, uh, land 60 years ago and saying, you know what, I have a vision for this. So my thing to the – and all these people in the room was really interesting because they were all under 30. I mean, there were there were a lot of people in that room, but they were all under thirty, so they have a real desire to take care of the planet. And of course, I went biblical. I said, "Well, y'all know we're Bible guys." So I went back to you tell I, them about planting cypress trees. Yeah, I told them about the whole vision for the property. In fact, I showed them a picture of this one that's on, off our set here um, about our proper hunting property, and I was like, "That's Dad's vision, and now his son's vision for having this habitat." Mm-hmm. But we're taking care of it because we want to. We want God's natural things to happen here. So I'm all about it. But I told him, I said, you know, when Adam was put in the garden, the, before he was a husband, before he was a father, before all the things that the first man did, his first command from the Almighty was take care of, 
what I gave yep. what I gave you. So I said, you know, conservation has been around literally since the beginning. Yeah, I I actually, you know, Willie did his uh, sportsman's camp this. Oh yeah, I was going to ask you how that went. Well, the last time I went out there, because uh, I think I've spoken at it every year. I mean, that was like fifteen or twenty guys, young guys. Yeah. So I didn't pay that any mind. I mean, fortunately, one of Willie's assistants or workers sent me a text and said, you remember you speaking tonight, right? And I was like, speaking where? <laughs> so, because yeah. it would have That's fall. why you got the assistants around, just to remind well, right. you when you're speaking. They're like, oh, out of camp. So I thought, oh, yeah, that little yeah, I got yeah, news they'll, they'll it. Be I got news of it three hours before. <laughs> well, they said you had spoken there. And so when I went, well, I was stunned. It was a lot of people, a lot, they was pretty well full. Yeah, it was a bunch and of kids I, at camp. Well, I was there the last night. Phil, you spoke a couple nights before me. And so all their, a lot of their families were there, too. So it was a packed house. So I was looking around. I was like, oh, so I'm so y'all want me to, I mean, it, it turned into a speech, but it hit me, like, through the process. Because I thought, well, I'll just do a Q&A thing. But they, they just wouldn't let it happen. Yeah. And Willie's like, I'll introduce you. I was like, introduce me. <laughs> I gave him a duck call demonstration. I did, too. But they asked, like, I did, I talked about 30 minutes, and then I opened it up for Q&A, and it was all duck call questions. Really? 100%. Oh, yeah, everything that you can imagine, which was fun. I mean, duck, duck calls, it is fun. But that's what I was going to say about the con conservation. I mean, there was a lot of different elements out there from turkey hunters to people who work with the land and had some some – a uh, young guy made me a slingshot. He's an expert slingshot maker and shooter. Yeah. And uh, just anything, you know, around outdoors and hunting. It, I, I actually enjoyed it. It, it was, it was, uh, it was really good. Well, and that was, <clears throat> that's my point just like that. Cause we're, the point of the camp is to teach kids who may or may not know a lot about the outdoors. Mm -hmm. There's so much to enjoy what God has given us. And that means you take care of it. You replenish. You're making sure that future generations. I mean, the whole purpose of this property over here, Dad was. I mean, one time we hunted over here. It, we own none of this property, and we were given the opportunity to hunt some of it by by lease. But now, because of godly success, we've been able. Y'all have been able to purchase a lot of this land. But the idea is that we want this available for Jace's kids, for my kids, for my grandkids. I mean, the idea is we want them to enjoy what God has given us for the future. My thing was with the environmental stuff is what I was so impressed with these young people was they have an organization that they're saying as conservatives. In other words, we don't want to bankrupt our economy over some of these green new deals and all this stuff that doesn't even make any sense. But we are about conservation and taking care of the planet. We just want to do it the right way. And so I was, I was like, hey, I tip my hat to you, young people. I mean, you're going to be, this is your planet. I mean, we're going to be gone, you know, for long. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, my whole speech was around the design that we enjoy, because we enjoy the design. And and you have to, of course, I did my usual, how'd you get here? Right. You know, what are you doing here? Why are you here? How are you leaving? Which it was disturbing, you know, before I, well, I mean, I'll finish that thought, but I, you know, so I went to the design, point you to a design. I went to Genesis 9. Yep. I was kind of asking them where in the Bible, I was just seeing what I was working with. They, right. They hadn't been reading the Bible. So I took that to mean, <laughs> let me give them a, make sure they, they get Jesus here. Right. They and they brought, by the way, they brought a lot of them to the Lord that was out there. And these aren't weren't little kids. They were. These are teenagers. I would say. I mean, fifteen to twenty-five. Look, that's about. Yeah. That's, that was the age group. I. One of them I recommended uh, rather uh, adamantly. I told him, "said Listen, don't order any pharmaceuticals off the internet. If it says this is a Percocet, this will make you feel better all day." I said, don't order that. Don't take that. I Why said, would you tell him that? Because these kids are thinking they're buying 
one thing. Oh yeah, the fentanyl. Oh, I know. Fentanyl, well, well, I know it. Just kind of a weird I, I, thing. I'll warn them. I said, don't don't be artist stuff over. Oh, there. you just said it in your speech. Yeah, I said okay. that you don't know exactly what it is. I said I only say that because over one hundred thousand people your age died last year for taking this stuff. Over one hundred thousand. Well, after like my speech, one of them young bucks went up there. He said. I was one of them people that died. I said, well, you're still kicking now. <laughs> he said, they brought me back to life. Wow. And I quit breathing about three times. Wow. And he, mm. and he said, he looked at me, you know, and he said, you saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> and he hugged you. Oh, I didn't actually save his life, but he was just saying, if I, had awesome. known, if I had known what was fixing to happen to me, yeah. I would have taken your advice and yeah. not get on the yeah, phone. That's fantastic. Well, I'm so my, glad you brought it up then. It was my icebreaker. I said, I heard y'all had some speakers out here. I was like, so what did y'all learn? You know, because they name them. They said, well, your dad spoke. I said, what did y'all learn? So somebody, I, I made them raise their hand. Yeah. So I said, you know, I called on the guy and he said, follow Jesus. So that was good. That's what he said about you. So I said, well, when Cy, because they had Cy out there. So I didn't know he was doing this tour. <laughs> and I said, what'd y'all learn from Cy? So the guy raised his hand. He said, don't do crack. <laughs> I said, at least you got something, and I'll agree with that. Don't uh, do crack. Do you yeah. think he meant because he was wondering if Uncle Si had done it in the past, or he was just saying that that was Si's message? I wasn't there. And so then I said, who else spoke? They said, well, Godwin spoke. And I said, what'd y'all learn? And the guy said, speak clearly. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I said, did they have subtitles up there while he was? That's right. And I did my famous impersonation of Godwin. He's like trying to. Crank a chainsaw That's on right. a cold morning. Just, yeah. <laughs> what are y'all doing? Yeah. <laughs> so it was. Thought you'd get a kick out. That's of that pretty funny. You brought that up. Now I love the idea because the concept was. So we have a we have a camp here that we've talked about for Camp Shioka. It's been around for over sixty years, and now Willie's son runs it, which is really he's the fourth generation because his great grandfather started it, which is pretty yeah. cool. And so now, I mean, not only do we have a lot of kids come from all over the country to go to summer camp, which is basically a Christian, you know, setting, but then also they expand that into hunting, but also with Christianity, which is the whole point. You you don't have, there's no separation of sportsmen and hunting and Christianity. For us, it's all the same. Mm. It's just what we do, what we like to do, and what you like to teach. I mean, the one thing about it, Dad, from the beginning, whether you planned on this or not, the Almighty has always used you to impact people. And you, we've talked about before when you were in the world, you impacted them, but now you have an opportunity to teach people the right way, but also how to use a duck call and you know everything else. So that's a blessing. One of the things Willie brought up in the, on this movie they're making, you know, about my life, uh, one of the things he brought up, he said he thought maybe they were a little too hard. Uh, I never got drunk that I remember in front of y'all drinking, drinking at home. And right. we, there was no liquor at the house. No. So Willie was talking about the times, you know, when there was no drinking, he said, right. you know, there was a side. I think you would come home some. <laughs> oh, oh, come home. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Brown. Right. But yeah, you were, there was something. But I wasn't, I wasn't getting you, drunk in front of y'all while I was trying. Well, to you get, were trying. Yeah. Yeah, I want to. I, I want to address that. that. Hang on, let's take a break. So, Jace, one of the things I realized on my trip to Europe, uh, and I was on a cruise ship as well, is that mattresses aren't made equal. No, <laughs> all over the world, right? Do you like them soft, or do you like them firm? Right, and so when you show up someplace and you're staying somewhere else, you pretty much get what you get. You know, they try to help you out a little bit. And so one of the things I noticed is most of the mattresses that I had on my trip to Europe were very firm, which I don't know. Most people like firm or soft. Yeah, I like firm. I like, and I like them soft. So, you know, that's the difference. And Helix sleep, which is uh, one of our sponsors, been a sponsor for a long time. And Jason, and I both sleep on Helix sleep mattresses and obviously his is more firmer than mine. Yeah. And the good thing is you get to request what you want. So they offer straight to your door, free non-contact delivery, free returns, a hundred nights sleep trial. So you get a hundred nights to figure out whether you like this or not. You go online 
and you're going to take a little quiz to find out just exactly what kind of mattress you like. HelixSleep.com slash unashamed. They have a 10-year warranty. Like I said, you get 100 nights free. They're also offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. So go to HelixSleep.com slash unashamed, H-E-L-I-X sleep.com slash unashamed, $200 off two free pillows and exactly how you want to sleep. Well, it was pretty dark. Yeah, so and I agree, Dad, dark. because it's. But and again, from a from a perspective of someone making a film, they tend to highlight more one way than the other because yeah. they're trying to create the situation. Yeah, it was a bad situation, and then you became what you've now become. But you're right. I mean, I've said before, Dad, that you. I mean, looking back on it from my perspective, I mean, I always thought you were. Even though you weren't living the way you're supposed to live, you're always pretty fair-minded with us. And, and I have a lot of good memories from that era. Yeah. They're not all I bad. Will was sad. He wants them to still do something about that, that right. before it's presented. So I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's always interesting to see how it works making a movie. So just remember when you watch a movie based on a true story, there's always a bit of interpretation by the people. Well, most it. of those movies, they put... You know, some scenes have been dramatized, whatever. <laughs> For the making uh, of this. I think this. it's because, well, number one, I don't think anybody remembers exactly what happened. Right. <laughs> you know, you're, if you if you tried to, like, make me sign something saying this is exactly what Well, happened. the script for this what movie you? was written by the memories of you, mom, me, people who lived it. Yeah. So, you know, we're all working off of our memories of it, but I was a kid, you know, and so J- and Jason Willie were really I thought about too. it until Willie brought it up, and I thought, well, he's got a point there. But he was a little younger. So yeah, he wouldn't remember quite as much. Said, well, I mean, that's what, I, uh, what your mama told him. Said, yeah, I said, because, I mean, I do remember I a few moments that were, I Yeah, not good. Yeah, yeah, I was like, okay. So, I mean, but when you're trying to go back and make a movie, you're you're trying to make something that was going on for years, you're putting it in two hours. Right. So you're not yeah. going to get it all. You're going to right. pick usually the big moments. Right. And dramatize. I have no idea what, what the audience would think about that film. Well, well I th- I mean, based on what we, just the very smidgen that we've seen, I think it's going to be very powerful, Dad, because you got to realize you got a lot of people out there who are, not only will see this film, but also follow us that basically have lived the way you did and worse. Yeah, and so what? What they're looking for is can can I be better? Can I change? Can my family make it? Those are the bigger questions, and the answer to all of that is yes, and that's the proof of it. I mean, you're seventy. Proof you can go from sinner to saint. <laughs> that's right. You well, know, my hope there is. Yeah, I mean that's what we've been talking about for the last four years on this podcast. But look, Dad, the reason I know it's true is because I tell people that that my dad went from one of the most rank heathens in South Arkansas, North Louisiana, to John the Baptist, seemingly overnight. Yeah. And so you reached a lot well, of people. So. Yeah. I mean, when you look back on it. But, I mean, we're here. I don't know where we left off, but the passage that's make, that's coming to my mind here today as we're talking about this is that Hebrews 4, 12 and following. And I think that's where we left off somewhere in there. I mean, you, you don't want to get so bogged down in the verse by verse, paragraph by paragraph of the Bible, that you you remember our overall outline about Jesus is better in the first ten chapters for a variety of reasons. But and he had just made this example back to when you know they had this wilderness moment and they're they've been led to find rest and how that translates to us today, which is pretty cool. Yeah. You Plus, think, uh, y'all got to talk about that 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 uh, rest, you know. We weren't talking about it. It just it came up. It came I up. Mean, and, and something else that we didn't mention the other day, but uh, the, but I jotted down, uh, beginning in, uh, and we can we can look into it as we go further. This is just a little update. Uh, is. Well, look, while you're looking for it, just I never finished my thought there. What I was going to say is we were talking about your old your old man and how that was portrayed on a movie. But the verse I wanted to read here, it says the Word of God is living and active 
It's sharper than any sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints, marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So my point was, though, you know, we can't remember and things are fuzzy and you get things wrong. And But even that we try to play out in our lives sometimes like we're one way when we're another. And here you have this, I mean, right in the middle of this, these Jewish Christians thinking about chunking Jesus and going back to the their kind of their nationalistic religion. God knows the heart. God knew your heart back then. He was fully aware of every, his memory's not clouded. That's that's my point. He's fully aware of what your intentions are, what you've done, what you're doing, what you will do, so why to you're add, doing it. To add to your point, we didn't mention it, but beginning in, but, but this is throughout the book of Hebrews, at key places it's mentioned, like Hebrews 2, we you you can go right over some of these things and you won't even uh, realize it. In putting everything under him, God lists the Hebrews 2, uh, verse about 8. Okay. God left nothing that is not subject to him. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to him. We're still at the phase where we have to cross over when we die, our spirit's alive, our body's in the ground, and then Jesus is coming back and, and, and everything is cleared up. But we see Jesus... But until that happens, the return of Jesus and it's it's over and judgment and that uh, who was made a little lower than the angels now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. And the statement is, and I jotted down each place in the Bible in, in Hebrews where this comes up so that by the grace of God, he might taste death. For everyone. So that's the first time in the book of Hebrews that grace is mentioned. Unmerited favor in this place of rest you can go and, and are redeemed from the law. No, it's a good point. You're, and, you're right. That, that's where you find rest in the grace of God. That's right. So when I read that, I said, well, that's when it starts. Well, when you get to Hebrews 4, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And the final word, after we go through the rest of it, the final word is interesting in the book of Hebrews. The last thing the Hebrew writer said, the last thing, chapter uh, 13, verse 25, grace be with you all. <laughs> so, and it's Well, that happens a lot almost So it's about day. seven times in, in, the, in Hebrews that grace is mentioned at key times, because if you're not careful, you'll look at how the law was and all, but you'll, you'll kind of misunderstand that this is a gift, yeah. and it is free, right? And, and you can't work. Well, almost every letter in the New Testament begins with the gospel being quickly brought up, Yep. and then it ends with grace. Right. It's somewhere in the last two or three verses. It, you are correct. So I just thought to mention that as we get to those basic verses on grace, be thankful to God Almighty that he was full of grace is all I can say. Well, <clears throat> well Jay, since, since I was gone some of the last few podcasts, and so I missed out a little bit on what you talked about with Zach and you guys, I just want to do a quick little catch up to where we are, which will help me then get back locked in where we are. Because I, eventually I want to well, talk That's more. where we left off. All right, we, so, we went through 411. So I want to mention this about the concept on the rest, because I always thought it was interesting that and Jason, I think you mentioned this early when we started the book of Hebrews. The Hebrew writer is a very smart, crafty person in how they present arguments. Yep. And so I love the way that he went to the concept of rest, but he did it in the context of the promised land, which we talked about this before. Remember this this section that starts in chapter 3 and ends It's here. a fine line, the way the Hebrew writer presents it, between grace and... That's right. And what you're discussing. Exactly. And he does it in the framework that he understands from the Jewish mindset, it was all about obedience. Yep. And not a lot about faith and grace. It's about works. And so he keeps going back to this concept and trying to bring this forward. So I thought it was interesting because there's really, I don't know if y'all talked about this, but there, there's four different concepts biblically of rest. 
that we see. One is this idea of, at the beginning when the creation, you know, it says he on the seventh day he rested and, and mm-hmm. committed this idea of Sabbath. Well, we know he's not talking about he took a day off because he's God. Yep. He sustains the yeah, universe. We brought it up. Yeah. yeah. We brought that so up. that was one. Let's take a break. So uh, free speech, religious liberty, Second Amendment, across our country, constitutional rights are always under attack, and that's just going to be the way it is. We live in a culture that's very divided, and one of the reasons we uh, proudly support one of our sponsors called Patriot Mobile is that they are self-described as America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. And so you know have a lot of the big corporations out there kind of have their own leftist agenda. This uh, this company really has a lot more in line with our value system that we believe as conservatives. They can fit any budget. Uh, they have a great support team. They can help you with all your customer support. And also they share our values and they support religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life. And they're also very big supporters of veterans and first responders, which we love. Here's what you do. Go to patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. You're going to get a free activation code with the offer code Phil. And remember, veterans and first responders are going to get to save even more. So check them out, patriotmobile.com slash Phil, or you can call them at 972-PATRIOT. The second one was this concept that he compared the promised land to a land of rest. He called it milk and honey. Again, it didn't mean they weren't going to be doing things because they had to go in and they had to set up shop. You know, he, he destroyed their enemies before him. Then Jesus talks about it with Matthew 11, the last time I was on, the idea that when the new covenant comes, it's a, it's a time of rest. Again, not meaning that you don't do stuff. We're living our lives every day. We're created to do good, good works. The idea is, is that you can't achieve or attain salvation by your obedience. It can't be earned by work. Not be well, earned. It's it's God's a provider. He's the one. If you had somebody providing you bread or manna, you know, quail, water. Well, it's not about the it's not about that. It's about who's providing it. Exactly. You know, it's not like you need this yep. it's why I always you know, when we brought up in Hebrews too about the purpose of miracles and signs and wonders. If you're chasing those while you're here on earth, you're neglecting the one who can get, who has the power to do them. That's more important. Right. If you're in, in good position with him, he provides. Exactly. It's not about you. <clears throat> and the fourth one, and the fourth concept of rest that we see is the idea about eternal life. In other words, heaven is that last point of what he would call rest. Yeah. And meaning that then you realize it. Here's what was interesting, and I don't know if you guys talked about this before. Every aspect of what I just mentioned, Jesus was there. Yeah. All four examples of the re- – in other words, he was there in the creation, John 1.1. 1, 1. He was even there in the idea when they were going into Canaan. I don't know if you remember this, but I think it was Joshua chapter 5. Joshua was getting ready to go in, and God's going to give him Jericho, and he's going to give him the land – and all of a sudden it says, the commander of the Lord's army. I mean, we've never seen that before. Some some person shows up and talks to Joshua about what he's supposed to do. He says, here's what we're going to do. And he lays it all out. I thought that was really interesting that there was a direct envoy. Now, who was that? Was it, was it the presence of Jesus early? Was it you know an angel? I don't know. But what I'm saying is, marching orders for Canaan even came from the Almighty. It came from Jesus. Then Jesus was there, obviously, when the new covenant was ushered in. And guess who's going to be there to take us into eternity, who said he's coming back to get us? So every aspect of rest throughout the entire Bible, rest, grace, faith, Jesus is always present, which I found that to be a powerful point because when it gets it to, to verse 12, Jays, it shows you that his point, the Hebrew writer's point is, this has always been this way. Yeah. For you to get what is now. That's why he brings up the idea about the word. Made me think about this. I wrote this down. I, I heard this somewhere. And because uh, when I first heard it, the reason I wrote it, this is why I wrote it down. Because it was a guy preaching and he was like, loving, how many loving relationships do you have that make you miserable? And I thought, well, what, what, what does that mean? 
I mean, he <laughs> loves the key. I was thinking, why are you saying that there's love, loving relationships that are miserable? Because his point was that Jesus, the reason he's better is because he's unconditional. The, you know, the grace we're talking about, it's it's not conditional. And But he, he gave five illustrations on on how we are miserable, even in our... Now, I mean, you take Jesus out of the equation. You know, it, you, I don't. I don't know how you do it, but even if you have the, the a most, relationship, the most unhappy we, people. You lost your mind. Yeah. The most unhappy people I've ever listened to or observed on planet Earth are the people. Any way you want to slice it, people, the people without Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are just not happy. No. no. But look. So here's what he did. He said, "Well," and he said, "I'll I'll show you how we do it." He's like, "Cause what happens is, no matter what you say." The reason, you know, we're humans, we're flawed. We lo- will love, the first one was, we'll love for our own sake. And it's like, you feel like, what am I getting out of this? I mean, I, I immediately kind of took it to the marriage context because it's easier to see it. Because you're like, you could be you know, looking to be sacrificial and unselfish all day. But at the end of the day, you're like, I mean, you would think that this would mean, <laughs> you know, that I would, you, this would be, go both ways. You, you'd be loving me back, you know, or be unselfish back. So that was one we love for our own sake. It, the second one is we have a hard time expressing it, which is true. It's like, but, but his point was these loving relationships, they make you miserable. A lot of people, they just have a hard time, especially telling their wife, you know, they love them or or how to express that. Because when you look at how Jesus, if you, you put him as the author of our relationships here, well, he didn't do this for his own sake. Right. He didn't have a problem expressing his love. It was, We're still talking about 2,000 years later. Well, before you move on, just I want to <clears throat> inject a point, because look right here in my notes, I put the word marriage, because I see exactly when he starts in Hebrews chapter 4, what Jace was just talking about, I think marriage is a great illustration of what happens when you enter in a covenant relationship. But if you don't, you don't do it with faith and grace in the relationship. You only do it because you're obeying a list. In other words, if the preacher says, I promise to have and to hold from this day forward in sickness and in health and prosperity and wealth and good. You know, you've heard the vows and what preachers say and what I've said. But if you were only entering that marriage covenant to then obey that list that you were given, <clears throat> will it work or will it work well? The answer is no. In other words, yeah. in your thing you did before, Jason, about marriage, things change, things happen. And if you don't have faith in this relationship and in this person, mm-hmm. you'll walk away. You know, you know what you'll say? You know what? I married the wrong person. A mighty throne. Well, that's you. where I was getting. Look, exactly. They, you can be involved in loving relationships and be miserable. Now, some of these of your own doing, but some of them, like what you're, what you are talking about, they, there, there is no answer. You'll, you'll see. I mean, I'll jump to the last one because what's, what's miserable about loving relationships on earth? They end. People die. Yep. Well, you're miserable because you miss, you know, your mate, right? Your, you know, your best friend or whatever. It, there's going to be some misery, misery involved, no matter how well it is based on love. Right. It's just the nature. That's why when you talk about Jesus is better. Well, he, he has that answered also. So, but I'll just give these these couple. Cause I thought it was interesting. You know, most of the time when you hear that, it's like we're trying to get people involved in loving relationships, one with God and and their family and their wife or husband. You know, their friendships. But you got to remember that it's still going to cause problems because just our weakness, which he's going to get into in chapter four, we're. We're weak because of these reasons. I mean, things happen. It's kind of the whole point. Hang on, let's take another break. So the third one is, uh, you know, mutually. It's not mutual sometimes, and it can go both ways. I mean, look, especially when you're you become famous. I mean, there's people that some people love us, and but you get around them, and you're like, I'm not even sure I like this person. <laughs> you know, well, it must be frustrating for them, but 
you, you see what I mean? Right. It, it's not you, you expect something to be mutual when in reality it's just not. And look, that's there's a reason 60% of people get divorced. You know what I mean? Somebody's like, I love you. And the other one's like, I don't. Right. I mean, which it is just a decision. But I'm only just saying that this is this is in the real world. This is kind of how we do. And that's why I think it causes so many problems. But it also is why we should focus on Jesus because in all these aspects of it, he's the ultimate. He's it's awesome how he portrayed his his faith in us, and I mean like trust to do this for us. He expressed it in in love. He did. He didn't he could have done a lot of things that we would have said, okay, I can understand it, but he just he he wasn't expecting anything in return. He he uh didn't have a problem expressing it. He answered the part about this being, you know, having to say goodbye. And then I had one that Phil mentioned, you know, version of. But we feel like that in every love and relationship, part of the part that makes us miserable is if it doesn't have happiness at the end, we feel like it's a failure. Yeah. But you know, look. Yeah, I have a special needs kid. I mean, we were talking about this before we started. I mean, a lot of her life has been very miserable. I mean, we've done everything we can. We're, we've used every resource necessary. You're, but it's not going to result in And happiness. many of them say, why would God do that to her? Well, and they're blaming the wrong person. Right. But, you know, because it's like going back to the wilderness and, and finding this. You find rest in all these difficult situations. And... There's evil in the world, and there's attacks happen every day, and people die. But when you when you insert Jesus into these aspects that I just mentioned of, of relationships, that's why it is it is better. They are eternal. They're not. He doesn't. He never promises you, you know, that you're gonna be happy every day. It, he doesn't. That's what the world does. That they're like, oh, if you do this, you'll be happy. Well, sometimes it's just we're not happy about this, but we have an inner peace and a, and a rest in us because we know ultimately this is part of our reliance on God. Because I, I think that's what it gets down to. Yeah. No, I agree. <clears throat> and, and a big part of that point, Jace, is that this book is written, and we see it here in chapter 4 at the beginning, as a warning. Oh. I mean, he keeps over and over, he gives it, a warning. It demands... A person's faith. That's right. I mean, it that's what he faith. keeps warning about. Because yep. you know, in the the first couple of verses in chapter four, he said, "Let us be careful." In verse one, that none of you should be found to have fallen short yep. of this idea of grace. For we also have preached the gospel has been preached to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value because those who heard it didn't combine it with faith. So, to Jason's point earlier, I think that's a great illustration. Because to have value in something, you have to believe in it. And if you don't believe in it, and you're only doing it because you're being made to do it, then you'll either you'll either be miserable because you feel like you're being forced, or you won't have any joy that comes as a result of it. And who would exactly. want that with any relationship? Exactly. I think I I wrote down somewhere why people why I thought people go to church, which I know you can't go, but some people, let's face it, they just go, and I. I wrote down why they go. <clears throat> now, y'all might can think of some other. Why do people get involved in church? Now, I, I did it because based on what Hebrews 3, 4, to finish my thought about Jesus is the reason, 3, 4 through 6, where it says we are his house. We house this right. Christ. Right. So if you're going to the house of the Lord, as they say in the religious world, welcome to the house of the Lord. You know, That's right. I've got joy, you know. <laughs> Can we leave? But we're housing this awesome Son of God in us, according to Hebrews 3 6. So when you say, why do I get involved? I mean, Jesus is the ultimate reason, which is what he's trying to share with them. Right. It's the relational, personal aspect of this. So I wrote down number one, old age, because a lot of churches I see just when I drive by, Older people are coming out of them. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I think, I know why. Because they realize 
We ain't got long. Time is, Here's time a, is short. It is an option. <laughs> All right. Uh, number two, I put. I didn't read this anywhere. I just wrote them down. Kids, because I see families who the husband and wife maybe you know going out there living like whatever, and all of a sudden you have a kid, and you think, now I'm gonna get this right. We're we're not gonna make the same mistakes, you know, with our kid, and so. So you see that. You see a lot of families because they want their kids getting things in their brains that, that's going to help them. Uh, I think some people go there to get try to get a date. I've just had many people say that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll see somebody in there that you wouldn't think would be in church. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And he's like, well, looking for a date. <laughs> Not that there's anything. I mean, if I was like, it's better than a bar, you know? It's better than a bar. (laughs) Much better. Uh, Some people work that they want it. That's how they earn their living. There's nothing wrong with these things, by the way. I'm just saying, when you think, why do people get involved in church? I think with some people, it's a legacy because their parents went. Generational. They're like, where are you going? They went. And a lot of them, they'll go to the same one and sit in the same seat for years. They bring another seat in, but they're going to sit in the right general area. Uh, I think some people, I put duty. I think some people believe that they just have a duty to go be involved, right. you know, based on the, the and, and I think I see some of that in the Jewish heritage here, yeah. where they feel like, there's a process that you repeat over and over and you're involved in. Uh, I do think this is kind of like the old age. I do think some people go cause it's like an insurance policy just in case there's something to this. I'll be involved to some degree right. in case it's real. So I can say I was there. Yeah. And the hey, last, hang, hang on for the last one. Let's take the last break. The last thing I put was emotions because I just think, you know, people, the world is so mean and so difficult and people make emotional decisions to say, you know, it makes me feel better to try to get some answers. And so that's, I mean, did I leave any out? Well, the one you didn't mention and, and last, some people go because they have faith. Well, exactly. In Jesus, so I, I was leaving that his out. Death, yeah. his, that's why they're there. Which it's a is a relational. Well, that's the. That's ultimate. what the Hebrew writer said. Is you don't want to fall short of that. Well, in but, in all these things, you're hoping because I'm just glad they're there. Yeah. And I was looking at it from. I was just being real. Look, yeah. a lot of people they just show up. Yep. And, you know, and, and these are the reasons they're showing up. Right. It, it's not because they have a living active vibrant relationship with god it this is being careful that none of you are be found to have fallen short of entering his rest faith they they miss it because their faith's not there well if you're going to meet with the brothers i think is what jace's point is it you need to be spurred on well i think you need to ask yourself why am i here grace and faith why am, why am I doing this? Because I think a lot of people, Jay's another thing to add to the list is that they hope they can find something there. Yep. In other words, because I've had a lot of people say, you know, I, I, they're I know. looking for what they already have. Well, I, that's I, a good one to add. I, I need to, uh, you know, I want to get my life right. And so they'll say, they'll use these words. They'll say, you know, I need to, I know I need to get back to church. Yeah. Meaning that just that alone is somehow, and, and again, which would be better. It would be better. Nothing. And you may find it there. The if they say get back in is what they tell you. Right. And you say, wait a minute, you are it. Yeah. yeah. You never really got out unless you didn't have a relationship with Jesus to begin with, which is kind of to the whole point of what we're talking about. But I, I couldn't agree more. That's another great illustration, which, by the way, it's the same illustration that Paul uses about the church is in a marriage relationship to the to the Christ. Yep. So if he's the bride and we're the bridegroom, that's why in a marriage the relationship that's has pretty to be close relationship. Pretty close. And <laughs> it's the same exact one. But well, if you're only I'm... doing it because you feel like you have to, then oh. it's really going to be a pretty oh, miserable I, existence. Yeah, I agree. That was my closing uh invitation at the sportsman's 
banquet or whatever you want to call it. Sportsman's camp. Yeah, sportsman's camp is uh, because, I mean, I think the reason God chose grace to Phil's point earlier is because you, you're now doing something because you want to. And look, that is the most powerful position. It is. Because when you're doing something because you have to, oh man, guilt and just misery, yeah. grumpy, grumpiness, you oh, yeah. know. <clears throat> I remember just, just suffer through as it. a kid, you know, oh, I got to do this, boy. Why? Because <laughs> I said so. Oh, just, <laughs> I don't like this system. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of Jay's every year on April the 15th, I have to pay my taxes. Yeah. And look, I was even told, like Jesus said, give to Caesar what is Caesar. So, I mean, I'm commanded. Jesus said, do it. So I have to do it. I do it. But I'm going to tell you something. I am miserable. Mm-hmm. I don't enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about it. I don't, I'm not happy about it. It's strictly because I have to do it. And if I approach my relationship with my Lord or my wife or my children the same way, I would be a miserable person. Exactly. But I tell you this, that's why I think there's so much in Hebrews about heaven too. And you know, the analogy I use, and I didn't I didn't come up with that one about these the loving relationships that make you miserable, which it was intended to be a comedy. You know, they were the people when that was delivered, they were laughing at themselves. I've looked back as, in time before, Jace, and I said, you know what would be really good? Those old guys and gals, they all came from Europe and wherever and and they came to the United States of America. And there is no IRS, like the money changers taking your money out. Right. Look, we're all just going across the country. Helping people that And there's it. nobody after your money. They, I mean, you know, maybe some robbers, but you say, you're not paying anything to anybody. There's no government structure. You're just kind of going out into the wilderness saying, let's go till we find a good spot to, yeah. to become part of and and there uh, there were a lot of godly people in 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 that venture yeah. to settle the country. A lot of godly people. Right. What I was going to say though, but, but is, very few rules. Think about it. What I was going to say though is it is frustrating, you know, relationships and life. And I mean, there's evil in this world. It, it's frustrating. But where I got this from about this, these loving relationships that are miserable. They made an analogy at the end that says, you know, the reason this is a problem and the reason, you know, that we're that we're weak is because in all these relationships, it's just so difficult for us to be 100% unselfish. It just, it is. We'll do something really nice, and then we'll five minutes later think, well, I did something really nice. <laughs> well, you got for me here. Yeah. I mean, that, that's just the way we're wired. But. They made an analogy that said, you know, we're we're like beached whales, though. We're if we were in an environment, and you know, ultimately heaven, when you're with God and with other people who have, you know, surrendered their will to God, and in reference of Philippians three twenty and twenty one, you know, our citizenship is in heaven. When you look at that, the possibility of being in that environment. Where there is no misery, there's no tears, there's there's none of this yep. this selfish angle. I really think it it makes you put things in perspective here and be a little more patient, a little more you know forgiving, and you're just not gonna check all the boxes. Yeah, because that's where we're getting to in Hebrews four and five. I mean, he helps us in our weakness. He was tempted in every way, yet he, that, that's what he's laying the foundation to do because no matter how active you are, how involved, even if you get it right personally with God, there's still struggles. That's right. It's just like a daily, <laughs> it's a daily grind that even if you're doing the right things, look, there's some misery that is going to come. Well, and, the, and again, it's the notion behind it. So, you know, the reason I have such a hard time you know, don't feel great about paying taxes. I'm not sure exactly where all that's going to work itself. I don't have a lot of confidence in the people in charge that are taking that money. But six months later, every early October at our church, we have a thing called, we call One Kingdom Sunday, which goes to works like Isaac Day and, and you know, Bowles, people we've had on here. And you know what? I write a big check every year. But you know what? I'm excited about it. 
I can't wait to, for it to get to them. I can't wait to see what they're going to do with it. So what's the difference? I'm writing a big check to people that are going to use it for something, but one I feel really good about and excited, one I don't. The reason is because the fruit that comes from Jesus giving him everything is always going to be good. You don't have to worry about it. I mean, you don't feel bad about it. It's not a bad relationship. So I think that becomes the key as we look at this text, don't you? That makes me think of that Mark 12, you know, when they, when they came, you know, the, the Pharisees and the Herodians, which I think politically they were at two different spectrums and they tried to get Jesus you know, on the hook for, for politically. Because, I mean, this is, you remember what happened. This is right after he went in and overturned the tables. And so, because, you know, I, when I studied this, he was basically following the same pattern that every other revolutionary follows, which is you call, you get you a following, you you go around you start talking about taking care of the poor and the injustice and the and the downtrodden and he's talking about the kingdom of God and so they tried to get him on the hook and say well we know you're a man of integrity you aren't swayed by men because you pay no attention to who they are but you teach the way of God you know whenever someone's giving you all these compliments that means <laughs> look out it must be a politician that's trying that's right. to get you you know, on the hook. Should we pay or shouldn't we? So it was an impossible question because if if he says pay the tax pay the taxes, well then you're you're condoning this Roman authority and, and if you don't, you're then alienating all the Jewish people who they had had a like an insurrection and a and a war over this same issue, I think twenty five years before, somewhere in there. But when watch what Jesus says, but Jesus, but Jesus knew their hypocrisy, which kind of goes in what yeah. we're talking about in Hebrews four and twelve. He he knows our thoughts and our motives and our heart. Why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a denarii and let me look look at it. They brought they brought the coin and he said, Whose image is this? And whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Jesus replied, Give to Caesar what is Caesar Caesar's and to God. What is God's? Exactly. Which is I mean, what an answer. Which is the whole point. We'll flash that a little bit more in the overtime. Plus, I want to dive in a little deeper into 4, 12, and 13 to get us ready because we're about to shift on the next podcast into a whole new realm of why Jesus is superior. So we'll set it up in the overtime. We'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Unashamed Podcast. Help us out by rating us on iTunes. And don't miss an episode by subscribing on YouTube And be sure to click that little bell to get notified about new episodes. And for even more content that you won't get anywhere else, subscribe to Blaze TV at blazetv.com slash unashamed.